Hey guys, this is Crazy Juicy Love Entrepreneurial Series. I'm going to be talking with top CEOs, creators, top entrepreneurs, and they're going to be sharing their mistakes, tools, tips, and insights to get you to get out of your bed and have a career that you love. This is Crazy Juicy Love Entrepreneurial Series. This is something that I'm super passionate about because uh, I think I was telling you this the other day, like I, I really believe that it's possible for everybody to live a life that they love and that they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Like it really is possible. Um, and um, the reason why it doesn't look like it's possible is because like our entire society is just not designed like that. Right. <laughs> like it's almost like if you had, um, You know, it's like, it's just not the way we're, it's built, you know, from the moment you're born, you know, to now when you're alive, like, it's just not the, all the structures in society are just not set up to support somebody like being creative, somebody doing, inventing their own career, somebody like taking what they love and making it into their job. Right. Like, that's just not the way that anything is set up. So like, why would it seem possible? Right, and it gets complicated when, you know, it depends on your religion, where you come from, and people impose their view and ideas on other people, then then we live and carry that idea. Well, my parents said, I can't do this. They won't support me if, if I, you know, like, especially in the creative field, you know, you know, if you have parents who don't believe in being an artist, you know, I'm not going to pay for your college. You need to go to school and be a lawyer. You're going to be, you know, uh, a dentist or whatever. And then that person goes and do that and they are successful, but they, they're unhappy with mm-hmm. that thing and they end up quitting their jobs or they just stay in there just being unhappy because this is what I was taught I need to do um, in order to be a part of the society, to be um, accepted, to to look good for my family and not shame my family because I'm an artist, you know. Um, a lot of people deal with that um, consistently. It's so weird, like, it, it, like you just said that. It's so true though, like so many people are like ashamed. Like being an artist, so, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm an artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so being an artist, it's like, <laughs> It's like shameful until you're successful. And then it's like, um, oh, you made it now. And then it's like exalted. Right. Like, oh, like he's a, like, oh, look at him. Like he's like, you know, somebody that, like, if you think about, like, if your 13 year old cousin is like, yo, I'm going to be a rapper, you're like, Pfft. right. And then, but if Jay Z is like, hey, I'm Jay Z, you're like, oh my God. Right. You know? so it's like, it's, yeah, it's interesting because there's, um, Oprah has this podcast called, um, the master class it's a podcast and i think video as well but anyway i was listening to it the other day with cicely tyson and you know cicely tyson is right uh, i don't know who cicely tyson is so wow so cicely tyson is the first african-american woman to win an oscar um ever she was the first person to ever win an oscar and she's just really um she she won an oscar for um Oh my God! Well, by Alex Haley, 
and um oh my god i can't think about the the the, the, the thing was, right now was this did this just happen no i mean she's like in her 70s um when no win, when did she win this oscar the Oscar. i mean uh oh she won sorry she i remember now it's for the movie roots and she played um kote kente's mother and she won the oscar for that um it says it can't be more ago, uh, Best Actress in 1974. Mm. Um, so, um, and she's still around, still working, still doing what she needs to do. She's like, this is, I'm going to do this the day I die. You know, and, but she was sharing about when she grew up when, you know, she was a pretty, really dark-skinned woman. Um, and she said when she decided, first she started as a model. And when she became a model, when her mother found out her mother said you can't if you're going to be a model you can't live here mm. and I was like oh so she was like that week I had to pack my bags and leave because she somehow knew that this is what she was meant to do mm. and as she got um, more successful uh, modeling then she started to, to do acting and then when she knew that this is like, oh, this is the journey that I'm on to be an actress. And I'm not, if I become successful as an actress, I'm not just going to be some celebrity. I'm going to use my name to be an activism for um, affirmative action, you know, black um, uh, injustice and stuff like that. And, and back in the 70s and 60s. So when she on her journey to be, be an actress, she was in, a, I think, a Broadway show, if I'm not mistaken. She did get a standing ovation from the show, and her mother came to see it. And it wasn't until that moment when her mother saw... Basically, she could hear her mother talking shit about her in the audience. Mm. And, but at the end of the show, when everybody stood up, when she walked on stage for the applause... Then her mother goes, that's my daughter. That's, I knew she was going to be an actress. I knew it. I knew it. That's me, like, signing autographs, <laughs> you know, because she proved her, you know, uh, her worth, I guess. Uh, it's, so, it's so strange, you know. I, I have no... So I'm lucky, okay, because my parents, they, um, when they realized that I was not going to, um, so my dad really wanted me to play baseball because he really wanted to play baseball. He was amazing. He actually tried out for the Yankees at one point wow. in his life. Um, and he, you know, he really wanted me to play baseball, but he always tells this story about how he used to take me to, to like little league and I would go and I would go like begrudgingly. It was like dragging me out the door to like go to these games. And like, I would just, he could just see, it was like, I did not want to be there and he finally just had to say like um you know then I would come home and I would just draw pictures and 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 then finally he just said like look this kid doesn't want to play baseball right <laughs> he just wants to draw pictures so we should just let him we should encourage him to do what he wants to do like he's creative he wants to do art and then my parents sat me down and said look if you want to do art will support you do art but you got to do art you got to actually go out and and do it so they started to like um it, you know they like leaned in at my school and, and my high school and put me into like all the art classes and then they like made up more art classes they were like look this kid's 
this kid can't do math. Like, look, at <laughs> like he's not doing anything. They basically went into school and they were like, look, this kid can't do math. He's not doing. They didn't. They didn't say that like that. Right. I. I <laughs> But my parents didn't say like that. But they were like, look, this kid is going to art school. Like, and we, I was just in a public school, so they didn't really have like, you know, very like super like programs for me. They just had normal schools stuff, right? So they just put me in like all the art classes. And I just, I remember, I don't know the specifics of this, but there was like, I just kept like retaking this one class like every year because there was not enough art classes, but they just worked out with the school. They were like, this is what this kid is going to do. So, um, and then they supported me. And then when I decided to go to art school, you know, they drove me to all the schools to like visit them and they took me, you know, they supported me a hundred percent of the way. So I don't know. I didn't have the experience of like parents that didn't want me to go into the arts. They, I had the experience of parents that supported me with my choice to go into the arts. Um, they, my parents have always been supportive of, supportive of, I don't know if they've been supportive of everything I've done, but they've, <laughs> always, been, they've always supported me, right? Like, even if they didn't think it was the best thing for me, mm-hmm. I don't know that they ever always understood it. Um, and they still don't totally understand me. And that's fine. But they really, I think at this point, they realize, like, I don't know what the hell this kid is doing, but he's going to be okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is uh, is good but I so I don't know what it's like to like have to like to not be supported in following my dreams by my parents my parents did support me and um, but I know that the world is not designed to support you in following your dreams right like it's just not mostly the world is, is designed to uh, to break down your dreams and force you to like work at Kmart Right. I could tell you some stories, but I want to just, before we get more and more into this, I want to introduce you to podcast. Uh, Just a quick thing is before I do, um, you know, it's important for you to just be, um, both of us and both parts, to be authentic and vulnerable as possible to share, you know, whatever it is you think that would make the difference for anyone that is listening to this is you know it's in the jewels and as you know in the sharing that people take action hopefully will take action in their life and bring forth some type of transformation in their life you know and that's i mean that's all really what i'm creating this podcast to do to help people change uh create the love life that they want and the career that they want and and that's it and to see through other people that it is possible um, yeah, that's it. Cool. Well, okay. yeah, game on. You got it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So welcome to the Crazy Juicy Love podcast with the entrepreneurial series. I have a special man right in front of me. His name is Liam Alexander. He is a creative director. And I'm reading like you are the chairman of what is it um of the american society of media photography which i didn't even know you're a photographer until you like showed me your your bio and you're also a creative that you take pictures and i think you manipulate them and create artwork um and i just i'm just gonna let you introduce yourself and what you do and how who you are for the world as a creative director oh well first of all just thank you so much for having me on the show 
Uh, I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, so I am, uh, I'm an artist. I make photographic based collage art that I show and I sell in galleries. Um, you can see I'm actually uh, working on some stuff back there. This is my studio. This is where I work, where we run um, the production of Stroke of Genius. <laughs> which is a uh, <laughs> uh, which is a documentary series that we're uh, producing about. Uh, it's about that moment when you choose how to live the rest of your life, and it's told through people that uh, have triumphed over traumatic medical events. Mm -hmm. And I also work out of here making my fine art, which is over here. Uh, <laughs> some works in progress over here. These are many hats. This man. <laughs> yeah, you can see, and those are my hats. <laughs> <laughs> those are the hats that i wear that's like okay this one is uh that's art that's creative direction <laughs> like literally <laughs> movie directing this hat what's the baseball cap for that's a, that's a secret that's a, oh go oh, i will talk to you off camera more about that hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's what i do and i also work with um organizations and uh, individuals and also uh, sometimes social movements on their uh, creative brand design. Uh, so I work with people on their messaging and about uh, and communicating their message through their branded materials and their visuals um, to the right people um, so that they can speak the right language that they hear that can actually move them to action around uh, whatever it is that they want, right? Because that's Yes. No, go ahead, finish. <laughs> oh yeah, that's really like, um, at the core of everything that we're up to is like, um, you know, action, like taking action, having people take action, have the people in our lives take action and having our, you know, customers or other people that we want to uh, do whatever that we want them to do. Um, you know, be in action around it and, uh, being action around what's going to make a difference for the world. Right. So that's what I enjoy doing with people. So first of all, how did you even get into being a creative director? Were you like, because that, that's, that's something that is you realize you like grow into. It's not like something, oh, I'm a creative director. So how did you, how did that, what was your journey um, to you becoming a creative director? Well, it's an interesting journey because I, um, so I started off as a, well, I actually started off as a painter, going to school as a painter. Then I became a photographer. And as a photographer, I was doing photo and video for companies. And um, I started to want to understand more about what was going on because I found that there was oftentimes a disconnect between the product that people wanted and what they were getting. So mm. people would say to me, oh, hey, like we need to make you a video. And then I would, and a lot of times people will say, oh, we want a video that does X, Y, Z. And then we go out and we shoot the video, whatever. But what I was noticing is like, uh, you know, people would come to me and they would say, uh, do you, we want a video? And I would say, okay, great. Well, what are you doing with that video? And they would say, I don't know. Someone just told us to make a video. <laughs> and I would say, okay, well, are you putting it on your website? Is it going, is it a television commercial? And they would say, yeah, you know, probably, you know, be on the website, it'll be in the commercial. And then I would be in a conversation with people for like 10, 15 minutes. And then I would say, look, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, you don't, you don't need a video. 
Right. <laughs> like you don't, you need someone to like redo your website because that this is your product. This is what you're trying to do. Like these are the people you're trying to reach. You have no sales funnel. You have no sales pipeline. Like, so you could make as many videos as you want, but the reality is, is no one's ever going to buy your product because this, 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 and this are not working and you're missing this. And like none of your communications make any sense. Right. So, and I started like, so then people were like, oh, great. Well, can you do all that? And <laughs> <laughs> the many hats come in. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, and you know, through, for my whole time, like I've never actually had like a real job. So I was in school and then I used to, I worked in sales. I paid my way through school, like working in sales. And then I, when I graduated, I started taking odd jobs as photographer and I started doing design and graphic design for people. And I was just doing like all of these like creative gigs. So I've had so much um, on the court training and that type of stuff. So when I, people started asking me to do more in-depth work with their brands, I was sort of well positioned to fulfill on that for people because of the, all the stuff that I had done in the past. I believe in, um, you know, like experiential learning, right? Like just learning by doing. That's what I really believe in because when you do stuff, you actually have that in your toolkit forever. You know, right. you never know, you're never asking yourself, can I do that? Or would I like to do that? You know, there's so many things that I've done in my life that I know, like I am, I definitely don't want to do, you know, I don't mm -hmm. go to sleep ever thinking to myself, like, might I like to do that? Because I tried and I know for a fact, I don't want to do it. Like, <laughs> or, or I know I can't do that. Or, and it's, it's just good to know to explore life in that way. That's how I explore life. Well, that's pretty interesting. Like, I'm, I'm curious that, did you trust your journey to where you are? Because I think a lot of people, you know, I, I can say for myself, like, you know, you know, I was an actor and I was a dancer and then, you know, I did catering on the side and I didn't, you know, like for me, I'm a certified coach now. I had no idea that this is what I was going to be doing or end up doing and be so connected and passionate about it. Because I, like so many people, didn't trust the journey of where I was going. And in a minute, I found coaching, or I guess at least it found me, it just all, like literally all made sense. Like I can really pinpoint all the moments, everything that I've done, all the jobs I've been through or did in my life have been preparing me for this moment. So was that like that was that like that for you that you can say all these jobs and everything that you've been doing have have been preparing you for this moment? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I and that's that's a super great distinction uh to make. because uh, people a lot of times people get so upset about like what's going on in their life. Right. Uh, and it's because people, we tend to just default to this either or kind of idea. Like it's something or it's not that. It's this or it's that. I, I have this or I don't have that. Or it's, but the reality of what you're talking about, and this is exactly how I work. Like what I'm doing right now is the, is the culmination of everything that I have ever done up mm. until this point. People say like, uh, you know, and I, I used to joke like this, you know, when I'd have an art exhibit and people would say, how long did it take to make that art? And I'd say 30 years. And they're <laughs> like, what? And then it's like, yeah, because everything that I've done up until this point has led me to be able to do what I'm doing right this second in mm. this moment. 
every single thing. Right. I was talking to somebody the other day about, um, you know, when I was saying when I was in college, I used to work in sales. I, I worked uh, at Cutco Cutlery. I don't know if anyone out there if you know <laughs> Cutco, then you know Cutco. If you don't know Cutco, <laughs> you don't know Cutco. But it's, if you know it, it's like this hilarious thing because millions of college students every single summer like do this job. And I, I did this job and I was saying to somebody that I learned something called the seven steps to a sale in this, um, uh, in when I was doing this Cutco job. And to this day, that was like 20 years ago when I did that. To this day, I still, every time I'm mapping out a video for a client or I'm map building out like a, a, how they're gonna lay out a website or even then thinking about an ad campaign, I think of it in the structure of the seven steps to a sale. And that's like some dinky thing I learned 20 years ago when I was selling knives to people. Did you, do you know them by heart? The seven steps to the sale? Mm -hmm. uh, I have them written down on the board. Oh, you do? What is it? Tell me. <laughs> so, uh, so it's, uh, let me see if I can get them by heart. Okay. So it's the first step is build rapport. Then there's uh, create a general problem, create a specific problem, go over the features and the benefits. No, uh, build rapport, general problem, specific problem, uh, a solution, features and benefits, compare price, and then close. Mm. The seven steps to the sale, which is, um, it's really just the process that people need to go through to have all of the information to make a choice. Uh, it's basically because, you know, you have to build rapport. And the way that we do it, you know, when we make movies is like, and you see this happen all the time in, uh, in movies, there's this amazing um, example from a book called Save the Cat that was written Ooh, by- Yeah, I love that, I love that. You know that book? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a screenwriting playbook. Yeah, it's a screenwriting playbook, and he talks about the uh, Save the Cat moment, and that's building rapport. And he talks about the in um, the Al Pacino movie Serpico, like the opening scene, um, Serpico's like, he, they do this thing where they call all these guys to uh, Yankee Stadium to get free to meet the Yankees or whatever. Mm -hmm. And but they just call all these criminals that have warrants out for their arrest. And then and when they come to go meet the Yankees, they uh, they arrest them. Mm -hmm. And that was like their big thing. And then what you see right in the beginning of the movie, Serpico uh, comes out and he sees this guy with his uh, son and he's got put his Yankee cap on or whatever and he's like um, with his son and he sees this cute moment of this criminal guy but with his son and then Serpico walks by and he flashes his badge and he says I don't think you want to see the Yankees today or something like that yeah. I don't know exactly but but in that moment the thing is is that and then the guy goes home with his son so it's like but in that moment you just learned that his character you just got a little piece of who Serpico is, right? Like, right. even though they went through all this trouble to catch all these criminals, he was like, look at this dad and his kid, like, I'm gonna, you know, you." so you immediately love him in that moment, and then you love him for the rest of the movie, right? He basically saves the dad and son from, like, walking into danger. Yeah, and yeah. even though, like, that, so it's, it gives you this idea that, like, even though that guy's a criminal, oh, by the way, I just want to preface that, I will probably talk about a lot of examples. Most of the details in these examples are wrong. So all of you all that go out and watch it, <laughs> and you're like, what? That doesn't happen in some That's like some other movie. I know. Right? I, I saw the movie. I'm like trying to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> might not have, just read the book, Save the Cat. It's amazing. That's right, yeah. Supergo, it's a good movie. That That's a scene from some movie, OK? Right. But the example is sound. <laughs> but the idea is like building rapport. So it's like that. Whenever you're doing an advertising campaign or whenever you're doing a movie, or whenever you're even sitting down for a date, right? Um, 
you know it's like a romantic date you were... or even a romantic date like this is a great thing like i was uh i didn't do this on purpose but i was in an uber uh, cab not an uber I, don't, i never take uber but and i actually hate that we've come to call an entire industry of service by the name of one of the leading service providers so let me be really clear i was in a lift the left okay <laughs> and i'm in the back of the lift this girl gets in the in the car um it's me and the driver and the girl and she's on her phone with the healthcare company and she's like she's like i know oh my god like i just need to get this like done like she's like my phone is on 2% can we please like get this done and then i so i heard that and i turned to the guy and i said hey i was like can we get your phone charger i was like what kind of phone do you have an iphone and she was like yeah and then he plugged the phone she plugged the phone in and she was like oh my god thank you so much thank you so much right mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets and then she got out of the car right and and then she left and that guy and the guy was and i got back to like working on my phone i was sending some emails and the guy said yo man that was mad smooth and i was like what and then he was like you know, the phone thing like that was dope bro and I was, <laughs> but i and i didn't realize it but that's the type of thing right like if i was interested in this girl like that would have been like I, what i didn't realize that i was doing was in that moment like because i did that like it immediately built rapport it right. was you, like wow so the need that was like in a moment was missing yeah um That's so wonderful. I, I guess I want to talk more about that um because I my my question to you is like I, I was reading in your your bio I'm like how do you how do you help people find well let's talk about rapport like how do you educate people to build rapport is like is there like a there's steps there's a process like how do you build rapport and how do you teach your clients to build rapport? Um well I I think it's so there's three different things. The first thing would be how does one build rapport generally? Mm-hmm. Uh second thing is how do I build rapport and then third is how do I work with my clients to build rapport. So the first thing is I actually want to preface this entire conversation with this could probably sound really creepy to some people. Uh, <laughs> and I want to just preface this by saying that the world that I work in and the world that I live in is that I'm out to create I'm out to make a difference for humankind and for people. And inside of the world of making a difference for humankind and making a difference for people. Like ultimately, if I were to zoom all the way out from everything, I would say that my overarching concept is that world peace is possible and it's possible right now. And everything that I'm up to when I'm being intentional is inside of the conversation of causing world peace immediately. Mm. And So when you're standing there training yourself and building rapport with people is not creepy. Like if you're trying if you have if I'm working with um you know the people's cultural plan or if I'm working with an organization that's doing good for the world training yourself and building rapport is imperative because if you really want to make a difference for people you have to be build rapport with them so that right. you can make that difference. and it's when you're standing inside of a context that's meaningful and empowering for the world and for society it's actually imperative that you train yourself in these things right i really love what you're saying i hate to cut you off um and it's it's become so um taboo to build rapport with people and people and i i'm 
you know, a, a lot of it has to do with us being on our phone consistently and thinking that we we're building rapport by being on social media when we're actually not really, you know, doing that. We've lost a lot of connections. So this, this is very, very vital I find with entrepreneurs that's which is which is missing a lot of like uh, I see artists particularly artists especially when they're on social media um, trying to present themselves they're missing a rapport connection with the audience they're trying to build yeah and it's so important what you're saying as an entrepreneur to learn to really hone that skill of building rapport in order to make an impact in order to gain clients you know what you're saying is so beautiful but i'm, I'm glad to, I'm, i can't wait to hear more about what you have to say about you know building rapport yeah yeah thank you and it's it's so important like and in so many people get shy i was working with this one um uh social movement on something and they were so uncomfortable with this whole conversation because they had <laughs> context like sales and everybody, and a lot of people, even I do, I have like a creepy context about sales. Um, but when you're working inside of an overarching um, commitment to something bigger and mm-hmm. something wonderful for people, it's imperative that you have an appropriate sales pipeline. And then we just, the reason why we call it stuff like a sales pipeline is just so that we have a term that's universal that everybody can know what we're talking about. You could really call it whatever you want. But the reality is, is like if people don't have a very clear pathway to your quote unquote product or whatever that is, they're not going to take advantage of it. No. So it's imperative that these things are set up. And this is what I was talking with this social movement about, because I was talking about like when you have all these roadblocks in the way of people reaching your message, which mm-hmm. is an amazing message and that's the thing you got to get this message out so you got to like if it actually is imperative to take a look so building rapport if you're a creepy guy in a bar that's trying to just hit on women like i'm not interested in educating you on how to build rapport. <laughs> right. my number one lesson that's a different conversation <laughs> but my number one lesson for building rapport is that it's very very easy when what you're up to is honorable It's not a difficult thing when you're connected to what you're up to and you're up to something honorable and wonderful for the world. Like building rapport is so easy. And building rapport could just be as simple as just sharing about what you're doing. Like, hey, this is what I'm up to. I'm creating a project that is going to take plastic out of of our forests. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, what is it? You know, they have immediate rapport because that's something wonderful that you're up to. So So that's the first thing is like, when you're up to something great, don't be afraid to share it and sharing it in itself can build rapport um yes i mean and also i mean i'm just thinking about you know my acting days you know a lot of do you even work with actors do you work with dancers anything like that um i actually have a program that i developed with an amazing artist name is ali wilkinson you might have actually met ali okay and she um and we have this program called being an artist where we work with uh um, artists around the being of artists. There's like a whole mm. thing is, is like as an artist, you become an artist or you go and graduate from school or you go out and decide you're going to be an artist, but there's literally no structure out there for you. No. So you work on like what it actually takes. So we have work with some actors and things and, and that with that. Yeah. And, and the reason why I'm bringing this up, like, you know, actors or people in arts, let's say, um, 
Because I, when I was acting, I find that a lot of artists or actors, directors have are really bad at building rapport, and they make it all about them and what they can get from you. And it's a really turnoff, you know, when you at a networking event and you say, especially if, if I came up to you and I'm an actor and I hear you're a creative director, my immediately my immediate mind go, oh, what is he up to? What does he want? Like, how can I fit into, you know, what you're doing? You know, what can I gain from you? And that's not really how you build rapport with somebody who's up to something in the world. So what are some mistakes that you find that people do to build rapport and what are how can they start correcting that yeah a hundred percent that's the biggest mistake that people can build is um talking about yourself and thinking about where you can fit in to what somebody else is doing that's not building rapport that's um and if we go back to the seven come on cutco we <laughs> i mean that's that's the, that's the features and benefits like, you know, you have a, you have value like as a person, right? And you have so many things that you could do for so many people. But unless you build rapport, unless you're aware of what their general problem is, unless you're aware of what their specific problems are, unless they're aware of what your product is, there's no, you jump, people just jump into those like, those like super far, you know? That would yeah. be like if you walked into a store and the guy was like, $12.99. <laughs> like what happened what are you talking about and then he's like aren't you buying razors and you're like what are you talking about right it's like you're jumping ahead in the conversation like you got to get to know people and see what so for yeah. me that building rapport the, what i what i do i i don't think about it as building rapport i just think about it i'm just curious i'm just really curious about yes. people you just get curious about people like, what are they up to? What are they doing? Like, what is their life about? What are they motivated by? What do they care about? Like, what? That's it. Once you become curious about other people, you don't have to even think about building rapport. No. And it's also, too, like, I really love what you're saying because that is a, a huge thing that is missing because, you know, you, you and I might not even fit to be together to work on anything. You know, um, being curious, you, you, you're finding out you know, what's important to the other person. And even if I probably can't even help you out or even be in, involved in anything you um, want, but it goes back to the conversation about um, that in the in the lift, where we find out like, oh, we I might I can help you, but I know someone that probably can fit into what you're trying to create. And that's also a really great way of building rapport that you're what, exactly what you do with the cell phone. You know, you're fulfilling a need that somebody had was missing. And I, I think that a lot of uh, what's missing is being cur- curiously engaged mm-hmm. um, and finding out what people are really up to. Um, and that's, that's missing in dating as well. Like being curious about the other person, not what they out to do for you. You know yeah i mean and and it's that's so i mean generally that's so the case in business and in dating and, and when, we, when we first talked about getting on uh uh the this podcast you know you had told me about what you were up to and and it and there's such a connection between business and dating and like <laughs> right. living a juicy life in general right and so much of what we're talking about right now just being curious just being yeah. Uh, something other than this this thing right here you know like you're we're so all up our own ass like all the time that we miss everything going on 
out in the world. There's so much happening out there. Yeah. We're just so obsessed with like ourselves mm. that we just, and by the way, it's like so uninterested. I don't know. I've been with myself for like 30 something <laughs> years now. I'm just so bored of this thing. You know what I mean? Like I've been with this thing for a while and this thing has weird things about it and good things about it. And I just want to find out about other people's things. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so tell me, what, what are some of the common mistakes that you see entrepreneurs do? The common mistakes that I see entrepreneurs do. Yeah, I had the one major one is the common mistake that I made, which is going out on your own without having a leg to stand on. Mm, uh, what do you mean by that? I mean that, so I, like I said, I never had a job, right? I never had a real job or n- not one that I held down long enough to count. <laughs> and so I built everything that I have today, which is um, by some uh, standards, <laughs> a lot, other standards, not very much. But, you know, I have um, the, the modicum of success that I, I experience. I've built all by myself. Not And, and by, when I say by myself, I don't mean that nobody else was involved because there was hundreds of people involved at so many levels in creating the things that I've created today. It's not that I did it all by myself. So that's one fallacy. As an entrepreneur, you never do anything by yourself. Ever. Right. Right. Uh, there's no anyone who's doing stuff by themselves. They're not doing. They're just not doing anything big, really. That's the reality. Uh, the other, but the major mistake that I I made is that I didn't work at a place for ten years. You know, the way that most entrepreneurs start their life, the way the most successful entrepreneurs start out is either you have to be independently wealthy. So if your parents have a lot of money, just leverage that. Don't be ashamed of it. Just do it. Stop. <laughs> screwing around right and stop pretending that's not where you came from because that's where you came from and dude like look if my parents had mad money to give me to start stuff i would take it right but the thing is is that you like that's not available for some people and also that's not available for you that's fine it's just not available for you stop getting all bent out of shape because other people have money like right you don't that's just how they were born like i don't know i wish i was born with a lot of money too that didn't happen so that's just where we're at. So right. the, the main thing that I did is I didn't establish a strong enough foothold for myself before I went out on my own. So most people, like if you, if I was going to start a business creative directing 10 years ago, you know, what I would do is I would go work at gray advertising. I would go work mm. at, um, you, you know, some place and I would creative direct there for five years, four years, three years. Like, meanwhile, like I'm honing my skills and learning systems that actually work. At the same mm. time, I'm getting introduced to clients and to people in that industry. And I'm also building up a war chest. I mean, you get a 401k, you get to save money. And then when you go out on your own, you can go out with $100,000 mm. know, and a couple of potential clients. Cause you might, oh, maybe I worked on the Volvo account when I was right. at an advertising agency and then they left that company. But the guy at Volvo was like, listen, man, if you ever go out on your own, call me up. I've got some smaller projects, right? And then right. you go out on your own with $100,000 and the connections at Volvo and whatever, like company. And then that's actually how most entrepreneurs, Jeff Bezos, mm. you know what Jeff Bezos did before he did Amazon? What? He was in finance. Mm. You think Jeff, Bezos, Jeff Bezos wasn't like 12, like in his mom's garage, like, I'm going to sell books. Like, <laughs> you don't know. Jeff Bezos was rich before he even did that. 
Like, that's the thing. People try to think like, everybody wants to be this rags to riches story. And look, you being the rags to riches story is nice, but there's like six people that ever actually did that. Most right. other people are like Donald Trump. They're like pretend rags to riches stories. Oh, rags to riches with a million dollars. Right. Which, and, and also, like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. But like, the, the thing that is wrong about that is it creates this fallacy right of the entrepreneur like i lost 10 years of like my life because i was building from scratch like scraping dollars together sometimes i'm still scraping dollars together to make it work and right. it's, if i had gone out with a proper training and with a proper background and a proper like financial foothold to actually go out on my own because it takes you know it could take 10 years to get 10 good clients if you get one good client a year, that's like really like, get, and then I'm talking good, what I mean is like you're getting like somewhere between 10 and like 20,000, uh, that's not even that good. Like maybe 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 000, tens of thousands of dollars of business from that client a year. Hmm. It could take you a year to get one client like that. So right. that means if you wanna get 10 clients that are really actual like good paying clients, it could take you 10 years. And right. how are you gonna pay your bills in that time? And I want to point out something something very important that you said, too, is like going back to the Jeff Bezos thing. It's like when you're in those jobs, you're learning how to build skill and to master those skills. And I had a friend of mine, she she told me that, you know, she, she and how she became a lawyer. She said she wanted a specific type of um, this job, I think, at Goldman Sachs. But she knew that she had to build some skills somewhere else in order to lead up to be ready for Goldman Sachs. So she worked these like nonprofit jobs. She worked this other like little job. So she was building skills of like how to fundraise, how to make money, how to do finances. And she knew that her that was her journey. And a lot of entrepreneurs, God knows I was one of those people, didn't really look at, oh, that's what I need to do in order to be where I am. You know, even, you know, bring on this stuff, like both of us, you know, at Landmark and I, um, when I started coaching now, I was like, oh, this is how I'm going to master the skill of how to enroll people, how to like uh, put a plan together. Because I didn't, I didn't had nowhere else to go. I haven't even heard of this thing, um, how to put you know a structure together in order to plan out and get where you want. I'm like, oh, okay, I can see where I'm honing that skill and like, you know, me being a love coach to, oh, calling in the one is a place where I can hone on the skill because that is where I'm learning this from. So, oh, okay. Even like, you know, as I do catering events and I'm managing, so, oh, I know how to, if I really put myself into this, I can really learn how to throw my own events. I can put it together. I, I can make build rapport with party planners if I need them. And I'm like, oh, that is why I'm in this job to hone this skill because now I know how to throw my own event, which I want to do eventually. I know how to put it together. I know how to structure it together. I have contacts now because all these things. And I think people negate or are negative where they are and not looking at the opportunities making where they are an opportunity to grow and, and hone on to their skill, which is, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And, that's and, the other part of it too, because if you do work at a job, that's like, if you do say, Oh, I want to work at this place so that I can get, you have to actually bring that mindset that you're talking about. Right. That's the other part of it. And how do so? How does you? How do you, as an artist, uh, an artist or artist director, how do you keep honing your skills? Like, what are the things that you do to to be sharp, to grow, to master? Like, 
what are the things that you do in order to keep growing as a creative a creative person i um i just like you said i i i literally relate to every single thing that i do as training ground mm. for something else that's how i relate to everything uh and this is what i always tell everybody who will listen <laughs> I look at everything as a training ground because if I have to do X, whatever it is that I have to do, so you know, even um, just just like you said, because I, if you bring that that mindset of like um, this is just this is training me, what am I training myself in? Because a lot of times we get annoyed with like tasks that we have to do at work um, and. <laughs> People, you know, people are always like, oh, it must be so cool to be an artist. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it is really cool. And I'm still spending like 30% of my time like doing Microsoft Excel and like other stuff that, that you also do at right. your job. But the thing is like whenever I'm doing anything, I relate to that task as like an opportunity. Like what am I training myself for when I'm doing this task? Mm. Like why am I doing this task? Like I might be doing this task because in order to get a paycheck from this client I must complete this task but that's not there's no power in that you're not good if you train yourself if you're just doing tasks to get a paycheck from someone that's the booby prize yes <laughs> you know <laughs> because what did you just do and if you've mastered a task you need to be training yourself on how to give that away to someone else right and I would say too, it's your responsibility to also look for opportunities of growth. You can't expect your employer or employee or someone just like, hey, you should be doing this and learn and grow. It's like you have to be self-responsible and look at, okay, I've mastered this one, like what you just said, because teaching also help you master your skills. And like also, who can who can I learn from? Mm -hmm. And what do I need to grow and pull pull from let them pull for my greatness and I pull for somebody else's greatness that's a really great thing that you just mentioned too as well um so as an entrepreneur what what are some of the fears and, and things that you still run up against and and how do you push through those fears what are some fears <laughs> that I run up against my biggest fear right now I can't I I don't think about um I, I have fears about, I have fears about money. You know, those, those are my biggest fears. It's the, is fears about money. I mean, I literally generate every, I generate with my, whatever, sweat, you know, like <laughs> my, I'm the. Blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. Or I'm the, I'm the source. My skills are the source of. 90, 100% of my income. Mm. So if I don't, um, if I don't perform, uh, I don't, my future doesn't happen. Uh, I don't know if, uh, I think maybe, maybe a lot of people relate. I, I guess that's pretty much true all the time. Right. But right. there's not, um, I don't have a, you know, I don't have a 401k plan. I don't have a, uh, you know, I don't have an actual job. So, it's uh i'm so that's what i'm that's my fear is that my, that's the only thing that i'm afraid of really is that what i'm up to like won't work out 
<laughs> which I guess is like a normal fear for it's it's weird because you ask me what I'm afraid of and I think about like it doesn't live for me like a fear because I have lived for my entire life in with that fear I've never had any kind of security I've never had a safety net I've never had a plan B I never had a I never had a way back. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like a fear that I always have and always will have and it lives within me but it doesn't live like a fear because it's ever present. How do you push back those through that because I know for me in those moments it's like that voice is like in your head it's like oh god what the hell am i doing right now <laughs> you know <laughs> like you know and i i always have this thing where you know i'm complaining about this you know why am i an entrepreneur why am i either this you know and i go well do you want to continue catering do you want to continue to do a job and work with somebody who you don't want to work for do you want to do that i'm like Nope, I'm good. I'll do an hour podcast, you know, and make a difference. You know, I'll do, you know, the little logistical things like that's not even a blip that I could do in 30 minutes, you know, like editing, putting this together. It's like I find joy in that. So I have to, I find myself having to re one, reconnect to why I even, I am even taking on being a relationship coach. And two, you know, the difference that I am making, you know, um, in the world. And three, like, it's just fun for me um, and not making myself wrong for having fun for doing something that I, that I love to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think the way that I deal with um, the way that I deal with the fear is like, it's not it's there's no I, I, I just I think of it as like this is my choice. Hmm. You know, like I said, when we first got on the phone, you know, um, it's not, this is not given. This life is not given to you. It's not, life is not given to any of us. Hmm. Um, this is my choice. I chose to do this. I said I was going to do this. There's nobody on earth that thinks I can do this. There's nobody on earth that is encouraging me to do this. There's nobody on earth. The entire earth is saying, what the fuck is wrong with you? You want <laughs> Why would you do this for so long? And why would you, why there's no, there's nobody on earth that is pulling me towards this except me. And I, and I'm doing it because I said so. Mm. Um, and I'm doing it because I'm going to be an example for people so that they can see that this is what you can do. Like you can really just do whatever, you know, you want, not like um, irresponsibly, but whatever you dream for yourself. Like I can, like, I can tell you, like when I was sitting in wherever the hell I was sitting years and years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, like when I was, when I was in high school and I thought about like what it would be like to, to be, you know, in my thirties. And I thought about like what it would be like to be an adult in my high school, like, I just knew, like, I didn't want to be doing what those other adults were doing. And I saw, like, artists, and I saw, like, musicians, and I saw people that were, like, living a free and, like, wonderful and, like, creatively expressed Mm. life. And I said, that's the person that I want to be. 
And when I think about that fear, you know, that I have, that's, that's the trade-off, you know, that's what you, that's what comes with it. Like when you're out, I consider myself to be like a space monkey. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm out in space, do you know? Like I, my, my grandfather actually worked um, at Grumman in the 1960s and he worked on part of the, the lunar module that landed on. Oh, wow. Uh, on, uh, in, in, on the moon. And uh, so I, I think about like when, and he has told me stories. He actually told me like really funny stories. He's, my grandfather was an amazing man. So I, I, I actually recently reconnected with my grandfather uh, when I did a project back in 2016. And I got to know him on a different level than I knew him for my whole life. And I got to see that he was an extraordinary, extraordinary human being. Like he was, uh, he was, a he didn't go to college. He went to the army when he was 17. Uh, and uh, he was like just this Puerto Rican guy from Brooklyn who went to the army at 17, wound up in the engineering corps, learned a bunch of stuff, and then came back from the army and just sort of like made up this crazy life. Like he saw them talking about going to the moon and he was like, I want to do that. And he like walked into Grumman and was like, give me a job. I want to work here. And they just... <laughs> and, they, and then they gave him a job and then he worked and I, and I, and he was telling me these stories about, he, he told me this great story that I'll, I'll tell you. He was like, he told me the story about how these people would work upstairs, like all the MIT guys and all the smart people would work upstairs and all of the, uh, the people, the people that built everything worked downstairs and he worked downstairs. He was one of the people that built everything. And then they come down and they give you the plans and they'd say, build this. And then they would build it. And then he would say, and then they came down one time and they said, build this thing. And then he said, he took a look at it and he said, this is not going to work. And they said, well, too bad. You have to build it. That's what you're trying <laughs> to do. And he said, I'm not building this. It's not going to work. And, and they said, oh, yeah? Why don't you go upstairs and tell that to them upstairs? So he said, okay. And he went upstairs and he went upstairs and he was like, I'm not building this. This is not going to work. And they were like, what do you mean? We're smart. We went to MIT. Don't tell us that this is not going to work. We know this is going to work. And he said, no this is not going to work because of this. I don't remember the story. It was some tool that like works in outer space. Like, I don't know anything about that. And he was like, it's not going to work. He was like, look, you need to do this, this, and this. He said, this is not going to function like this. And he laid it all out for them. And then they said, wow. They said, okay. They said, okay, you get a raise. You're coming upstairs <laughs> and you're going to wow. be the guy that's now in charge of this project. And then he built this thing that went into outer space and did something in outer space to make the moon landing module land. Uh, wow. And, and he was a guy who had no college degree, no nothing. He just, uh, and when I heard him tell me that story, I was like, wow, my life makes so much more sense. <laughs> because now that you're, because you're way. my grandpa. Well, because I am so like, I'm not afraid to be that person that's out there on the edge, out there on the limb, like going, just saying like, no, this is how I think it should be. And this is how things are supposed to be. And because I said so, because I see it that way, because I know this is going to work. And just seeing like, I didn't understand where that came from for a while, but like just reading, my, hearing that story from my grandpa. And he also did all kinds of crazy stuff, like, <laughs> like moved to Florida 
uh, when no one was moving to Florida, like or he another crazy thing he did, he moved Grumman. He knew Grumman was moving down to Georgia, so he moved to Georgia. And then he went into the office. He said, "Give me a job." I worked at Grumman up in New York, and he and then they said, "Well, you know, we can't give you a job because you, you would have to relocate to Georgia." And he was like, "I already did. When do you want me to start?" Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was like, and I was like, oh my God. I was like, grandpa is just like such a badass. He's and, like a go-getter. Like, no, I'm doing this. Like, don't need, no, he's like, I don't need your permission. I'm just yeah. going to show up. No permission. And that was, and this is like in the 1950s and 60s. This is not like now. Like that was a different world back then. Right. And I think too, that's something that will make a difference in being an entrepreneur, because sometimes you have to be that way, just like show up. And I'm I'm realizing that now, you know, as I continue to build my business, like sometimes I have to like, I'm going to reach out to this person because I want to. And people um, will be my. I can't remember who I reached out to, and they're like, "Wow, you you reached out to that person." They responded, "Oh, um, it was this um, this girl. She made." Um, Sunny Leonarduzzi, she was Forbes. She's Forbes top twenty, I think, this year or last year. And I was listening to her podcast. She was like, "Email her if you know, you know, you like her podcast." I was like, "Sure." So we just started. I emailed her, and I wasn't expecting anything back, and she responded to me. And we had a little, you know, back and forth, and I hooked it up with the woman who created, you know, Calling in the One. And she's been such a really great tool for me to like grow and expand. And my friend was like, well, like just in awe that I did that. I'm like, oh, she's a human being like anybody, anybody else. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm hungry for it. I want to learn from somebody like that. And she's a real force in the world. I'm not sure if you heard of her, but she's really big on YouTube and really big on Instagram and in podcast world. And um, I mean, she just have so many great free tools of how to grow your business. And I'm all game for like surrounding myself with people like that. Um, uh, and you know what, you know what? It sounds crazy. Like that stories like, but like I have, we all have so many stories like that. Like that's like, and it sounds crazy, but what you begin to see is that the people that you want to speak to the people that you want to be in conversation with that are actually up to something that are actually doing something they're they're generous yeah only like and part something else that people have to give up in order to be successful is you have to be generous right and, the, and I, i'm continuously surprised at the people that give me the time of day right and and i've come to realize that successful people people that are making a difference out in the world and really doing things they're extremely generous right and it's only us when we're not being generous it's i mean it's like this it, it i don't know it always it blows me away too like well it's a lot of it we have this story in our head that we have to have it all together right away in order to fulfill on something you know um even with like doing this podcast like like even creating this whole series you know, I'm like, okay, well, I want to reach out to these people right now, um, but I don't have a lot to show. But I'm like, okay, like this guy who um, said yes to me, I've never met him before. I follow him on Instagram. He's a coach, has a huge following. We had been exchanging um, messages back and forth. When I reached out to him and told him my intention, he was like, sure, when, where, let's do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so 
you don't have to have it all together. Just have the tenacity to just like, just ask, you know, um, cause you know, I'm willing to, you know, as I grow up, that was, you know, that was the biggest lesson I learned. I would say when I first moved to New York is that, you know, I was a dancer and I had no job, had didn't know where to even look for a job. And I had but I had friends here, but my friends were so unwillingly to help me. Like cause they were afraid that I would take their position. I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like this whole thing in their head, you know, um, like ma- they made it seem that I was some kind of competition for them. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, there's plenty of work everywhere for everybody. Like, why are you putting me at a distance? I really struggled in the beginning to find work. And, you know, I was, you know, doing some catering work and I made a promise to myself. I said, you know, I'm never going to be that person like that. You know, even as a coach, I'm willing to help other coaches to succeed because I can't coach everybody, you know, um, and I'm willing to give away information that is going to help somebody else succeed because that is what I'm also committed to. Like, I want to live in a place of abundance, not lack. And I, you know, my tools can definitely, or my knowledge or my experience can definitely help somebody else, you know, feed themselves in that state, pay that rent, you know, to to get themselves to the next level. Like, it's not about me, you know, it's about making, if I'm committed to making a difference in the world, that is a part of it. You know, the people who are in the same category as me, you know? Yeah, yeah. That And that's, I, I have this, like, vision. When you're saying that, it's like, um, I saw this vision of, like, it's almost like that things, like, flow. It's like, it's like we are, like, this vessel, right? Mm. And, like, the natural state of being is for things to just flow through you. And where we get stuck is like if we're not letting things in or if we're not letting things out. Because it's like we just, things flow through you. And as you move up and you get to a higher level and you begin to learn, it's like you got to give that away to other people. Right. It's almost like you're like this, like just this pipeline of like experience and knowledge. And like the natural state of it is like that it's flowing through you. I have. I mean, one of it's, it's, I, I see it in, in my own life. I mean, one of my best friends and um, somebody who I, I work with, um, with his organization, the influencers is uh, Jonathan Levy. And he, um, you know, he's like, he's like a, my, he's a, like a brother to me, but he's also a, like a mentor and a coach to me mm. because I'm taking every single time we have a business meeting, I'm taking away one like what there is for me to do in support of the organization. But I'm also like taking away like every aspect of like who this man is and what he's doing. And then I sit down and I meet with um, my team with Stroke of Genius and my teams with my other stuff. And I'm just spitting it right back out, you know? And it's like, all, and it's this like flow of like sharing of information and sharing um, of knowledge because, you know, like when when we when we all win then we all win yes right so coming to the end so um what piece of advice you or nuggets that somebody pass on to you that you would pass on to other entrepreneurs well um learn math learn math (laughs) (laughs) like so many people think like, oh, I can, I'm just the, like having this 
so as an entrepreneur, you, you literally have to, somebody gave me the best definition of entrepreneur the other day. Uh, <laughs> I'm ready for this. And it was so, I have to look up two things before this podcast. <laughs> so an entrepreneur, uh, actually, this is what, this is so funny. This is the definition that came up on Google. And an entrepreneur, a person who organizes and operates a business or businesses taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. Mm. Did you think that was the definition of entrepreneur? No, I for me, a definition of entrepreneur is somebody who creates the, the creative of a business and <laughs> and pursuing and creating that in the world. And that, what was that's so funny. I don't know why that, I didn't realize that that was the definition of it, but that's a cool definition. And but, what, was um, the, what was the second one? Uh, promoter in the entertainment industry. <laughs> <laughs> what is this dictionary? <laughs> um, oh, I just, I, I think like, yeah, you just have to be able to do everything. Like, I think a lot of times people want to go out into business for themselves and they think like, oh, I'm the bit, the brains of the operation or, oh, I'm the, the creative one or like, oh, like my CFO does that or whatever. And then, you know, I think like whenever people, whenever we get blindsided by something, it's because like it's an, it's an area that we weren't dealing with. And like, mm. if you go out into business for yourself, thinking like you're not going to be able to have, not going to have to deal with a certain area of your business, like that's, you're going to have to deal with that area of your business. Yeah. Like it, you're going to have to deal with everything. Now you don't have to be an expert at everything, but you just have to be aware of what, everything. Yeah. And like, you got to know how to do math and like use Microsoft Excel. Microsoft Excel is the most bomb piece of software. I actually, I usually Google sheets usually. <laughs> yeah. Google Sheets is like, I do everything. And it's like, there's, uh, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I see your face. <laughs> anyway, wait, wait, there's one more thing I have to look up. I have to look up Jeff Bezos' job before he started Amazon, because I got to fact check myself on that one. Yeah, you got to fact check yourself. <laughs> I'm like so bad. I always like give all of these examples when I'm speaking and like, I'm so aware that some, some of them are like, totally like half true well really quickly who ins who inspires you um who inspires me uh oh my gosh so many people inspire me i can't even i'm inspired by so many people okay, my biggest one. my biggest inspiration right now um there is so my partner in stroke of genius so you can look up it's uh share your stroke of genius on instagram or uh we have a partnership with thrive global so kyle mengelkamp is uh my partner in stroke of genius and right now we're working on putting together a short video piece uh about he suffered a stroke at age 11 mm. uh, and uh so for the last 21 years he's been um post-stroke and what we're creating in stroke of genius and what he's creating in that community is like such an inspiration and I get to work with him every single day and we uh, and we're putting together a video now that's around about his mom and about her experience like living through uh, through this with her son mm. it's like so good and uh, so he's an he's a big inspiration wow yeah and, and so what is it what does a life of love mean to you 
Ooh, a life of love means that a life of love means to me that I'm doing whatever it takes for me to love everything that I'm doing. And what I mean by that is that you don't, I don't think that it's natural to love everything that you're doing. Love, I don't think, I think love is like the most natural thing that we have, but I also don't, I think that we're conditioned out of it like very Mm. early in our lives at a very early age. So it doesn't occur as natural to Mm. love what we're doing, to love other people, to love everything. And I think just doing what you need to do to find love in everything that you're doing that's what it means to live a life of love Mm. and how do you get out of your own way as an entrepreneur i get out of my own way by taking action taking any action yeah if i'm not in if i'm in in my own way it's just because i'm not taking action Mm. and if i can't think of the action to take Oh, I, this is a big way I get out of my own way is by uh, uh, calling another person. Because mm. mostly like when you're stuck, it's just because you're only talking to one person, which is... <laughs> <laughs> so you only have like one idea and that idea is not working. So you just get another idea. I literally get coached from like... any. I get coaching from anyone. I get coached from the guy on the corner. I'm like, hey, <laughs> and then he says something because he just says anyone can coach you because they just have a different view of yeah. the thing. And uh, so I take action. And sometimes that action is just asking somebody else. Okay. And especially somebody that's not an expert because they're going to have a crazy idea that you would have right. never thought of. Good idea. That's a really good idea. Yeah. <clears throat> and what does a juicy love life look like to you? Oh man, what does a juicy love life look like to me? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is this a family show? That <laughs> <laughs> a family show. <laughs> oh man, a juicy love life. What does it look like to me? Uh, juicy love life. say it is right there i see it on your face <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man yes you uh, do stop it <laughs> I, I well i honestly like honestly I, I like to have fun okay so a juicy love life is like spending time with somebody you know first of all it's like having somebody in my life that i trust like who and really really knows me and just likes to have fun and like just spending time with someone I trust and whom I love and just having fun and being free and like not really caring about what other people think. That's why juicy love. <laughs> <laughs> and last question, what is one of the biggest lessons you learned by being an entrepreneur that you can share with other people? Um, that Nothing goes according to plan, but everything works out perfectly. Mm. Well, thank you, Liam. And I'm so honored to have you here and just seeing how you make a difference for people and what they're doing. And like, you know, you're just such a a great person. And I just, I'm so happy to get to know you in this way (laughs) and in a whole different light. And that story about your grandfather really actually, I think, gave me a lot of insight of who you are and how you're 
how do you show up in the world? So I thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here, and um, I'm just so happy to. Uh, <laughs> I'm just so happy to talk about this stuff. Yeah. So anytime. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Hey guys, are you ready to call in your one? Are you ready to become wildly magnetic to the partner that you deserve and start creating that crazy, juicy love? Well, I am offering a discount package when you listen to this podcast. So when you listen to this podcast, you follow me on Instagram, you DM me and say, you listen to this podcast, and I will offer you a discount on a seven-week session. Crazy, juicy love.